Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 60 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled The Church of Philadelphia. Our teacher is Alan Smith. As we continue on in our teaching, as in the days of Noah, to, today we're going to start a new church. We um, have been looking at the church of Sardis, and uh, we finished that up last week, and we saw one of the greatest things that we've learned with the church of Sardis is it's to be watching, and uh, we're to, as Christians and as believers, there's a... I guess a call to attention, if you will, on us to be watching for the Lord's return. And so with that anticipation for the Lord's return, it's, could you imagine what uh, heaven would be like without the presence of God? That would be a boring place, to say the least. But I, I, I submit to you, how boring would church be without the presence of God? It's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. So I would um, help us, Lord. I've got the first leg of this journey, and then the worship team will have the second, and then Trevor will have the third. So if you pray for us, we would appreciate it that you not be disappointed and that the presence of the Lord would be in this place. A testimony to that will be that you can learn from His Word as I present it. Test what I say by the Spirit and see if it's good. So let's move here. So the title of this teaching, uh, actually it's been over a year now, believe it or not. I'm not going to tell you which teaching this is unless you get up and walk out. It says, As in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And that is our point of watching, because we believe that that is uh, what is a believer we're to be watching for. Now, I want us to look at it as we go into the church of Philadelphia. I want a little reminder here. <clears throat> now, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the book of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ of all things that he saw. Now, there's something here I don't want us to overlook. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants. Is that not interesting? Isn't that something? God, God gave Jesus a revelation of himself. He gave it to him. And then he gave it to his servants, uh, the things which must shortly come to pass. It's a gift uh, from the Father to the Son, if you will. And here it goes on. It says to signify it, which is he signified it. So the book of Revelation is full of signs. It's full of, uh, of, of symbols. And so as Christians, I, I, am, uh, I understand that we have people that say their word and some say that their spirit and they would rather go by the word, not go by all these symbols. But the problem I have with that is words are symbols. Letters are symbols. All of that is a symbol. 
which uh, so for some reason our brain cuts off when we go. If you see the read the word of a tree, you get an image of a tree. So uh, the word of God, it's all symbols. And as you start seeing that, it helps us to interpret the symbols as we see them. Now, the seven churches here, he says this also. And all of these seven churches is something that they have hugely in common. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. <clears throat> he that hath an ear. So it means if you are attentive, you're, if you're here this morning, it's obvious, or if you're watching online, that you have an ear to hear. And what we're wanting to discover is what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So there's one thing to be here, and there's another one to be here and here. And uh, so that is uh, one of the things that he says to the churches. And so we got different levels of application in these churches. The first one is a local church. Each one of these churches was a local church. Um, it was local to the region of Turkey. Now, needless to say, I think Turkey is 98 or 99% Muslim now, even though this is where the seven churches were. Uh, it is now basically uh, Muslim. Now, the seven churches is to all churches, past, present, future, is to the churches today. So it was local about a local church, also about to all the churches. So that includes us, and we're also a local church. And also, we, this words, these words to the churches you can take personally. They are to be taken personally. And now, is, is it not amazing how the Word of God can have so many applications and it to be one set of words? It's amazing. And then also, it's prophetic. I've shown you that, how the seven churches is actually the, shows us historically the church for the last 2,000 years, how it's just different blocks, and we'll look at it again quickly, but... Uh, it's just amazing how the Word of God... Now, here's what happens with a lot of... When we get into arguments, if you will, or if you want to be Christian about it, debates. And uh, we debate Scripture. And um, it's because you have different applications to the same Word. Somebody might be receiving something personally, and somebody else says, no, that's to the churches. And somebody else, no, that's talking about the prophetic. And so Scripture is like this. And so we get this disagreement on Scripture, not understanding that uh, a lot of people are coming from a different application. And I, I know everybody says, well, the Scripture means what it says, where it says it, as it says it. This is true, but it's also dimensional, in which we cannot escape. So when we're standing for our uh, arguments, we need to be careful. I mean, I even understand some of the debates today. Even we got the left and the right, and we got liberal, we got conservative. I, why can't we just have Bible? You know, because once you come under liberal or conservative, I mean, there's a lot of things in the scriptures that are very liberal. Uh, even though it makes my skin crawl when I say that. That, that was a joke. You may laugh now. Um, I think. Or take a breath. Or take a breath. <laughs> take a breath. <laughs> I'm just saying it's really hard to allow the Bible to just say what the Bible says. Right? It, it really and truly burns me a good one. 
when when the the liberal side of the argument is trying to take the gospel to all humanity and then the right for some reason just by by the very reason you don't have a voice you're considered that you don't do that so therefore we're going to give the gospel to everybody with no uh See, the difference in the left and the right is we believe that there needs to be a conversion factor in there somewhere called the cross of Christ. But yet we want to call everybody. Is this true or is this false? The gospel goes to the world. It does, it's not selective sinners that we take in, lest you be from another denomination, which is not ours, and I'll not call. But still, it's the gospel that could go to the whole world. And so that's the liberal side. Everybody's included. Now we have a little problem today when we say who can come in the doors. Little problem. I understand the problem. Do you know the good part of that problem? Is I don't have to answer it. What do you do with it? The only thing I can say is if we let everybody come through those doors, come as you are, if we mean that. The only thing I can say is you better not build, you better not buy a lot of cows, milk cows, if you don't have a milk barn. You don't need to call in a bunch of sinners if you don't have a church that can take care of sinners. There's one thing to make the call, and the far liberal side makes the call, but they don't have the message to do anything with the sinner. Now, so that puts the church in a predicament. You can say, well, Alan, we don't want to be, we want to be palatable to society. Well, the problem is you get a palatable gospel and not a gospel that changes your heart. You're going to get a lot of people in, a lot of cows in, be milked and you don't have a milk barn. Whereas you got people in, you've called them in, but to call everyone in is not the gospel. It's the beginning of the gospel. So when we look at these seven churches, here was a problem. To make a liberal call, I am for. But to not have the power thereof and make the call, I am not for. Can anybody hear what I'm saying? Because to call forth everybody to come just as you are, do I think we're quite ready for come just as you are? I don't. I don't think we're quite ready for that. I don't think that the homosexual can come in, sit in one service, be converted, be saved from that sin, if you will. You can say, I, a lot of people say, well, Alan, there's one thing to be delivered, and there's another one to have the power to overcome it. In our Christianity, for some reason, we have this idea that a homosexual needs to not have a tendency anymore before we can say that he's been set free. The only thing I can say is, do you have temptations? Women, do you all see a good-looking man and have a temptation? Men, do you all see a good-looking woman and have a temptation? Do you mean to tell me when you don't have a temptation anymore, you've been delivered from lust? Or is there something in the gospel that gives you the power to overcome it? 
there, there again, that's something we've got to think about. Is because I believe a homosexual can come here. I think that they can be delivered from the feeling. But more times than not, I believe that there's the power of the gospel to set that person free to not yield, to not yield to temptation, which the Bible teaches us. Which the Bible teaches us. So when I've talked with homosexuals, I've told them, I said, I'm not saying that I can get you set free of same-sex attraction. But I can get you empowered to where you can live a life that overcomes it. And if you practice that behavior, it'll lessen and lessen and lessen and lessen and lessen until finally it's gone. I can say that. Now, the dilemma is, will we give somebody the opportunity? Will we give them the opportunity? Do we have a church house as such that it'll empower somebody, well, I'll use a homosexual, but let's say sinners. Do we have a church that is conducive to help us all to come here and to live the weak empowered in such a way that we do not yield to temptation? That's the question that I submit. That's what the seven churches is all about. So I don't think that we need to judge the sinner because our sin judges us already. I think we can give forth, and we have. We have given forth opportunities for sinners to come to this church. Now, we don't give opportunity to, for you to come to church and sin. Did you hear me? We don't give that opportunity. But we do have an opportunity for us to be empowered, everyone in this room, to overcome sin. Now, I believe the power in the gospel gives us, gives us that power to overcome sin. The Bible says that. We're wanting to be set free so we don't have any temptation. But are we willing to be filled with the Holy Spirit? that we can overcome temptation. Jesus was given temptation, but he said he didn't, he, he, the, he said there's something about the word of God that he yields to. So let's, uh, I don't know how I got on all that. So here we go. The seven churches here, now we're at Philadelphia. You can see number six there, Philadelphia. Underneath that, we have the prophetic awakening. Now, this is where the Church of Philadelphia, these are the uh, seven churches, and this is the, they are prophetic, which was the last one we had on the previous slide, how these churches are prophetic down through the ages. They're prophetic, and they speak of the church age. Now, that is incredible to me. We get into the Church of Philadelphia, this is a prophetic awakening, which we know happened, 1798 until the end. We had a lot of great uh, truths that were lost in the dark ages uh, that were recovered and are being recovered uh, even now. And so we see that we're now in church number six, which is the church of Philadelphia. Then the next one will be church of Laodicea. Now, there's two things about the seven churches I want us to look at quickly. First, they are a picture of seven kinds of churches that you find in any age and in any period of history. 
So as we've looked over these churches, the reason we've looked at them is we were wanting to find out and to see how are we to act. What can we expect will be our shortcomings? What can we? Ex- what does Jesus expect of a church in us overcoming these temptations? Well, the second thing is the prophetic nature of these letters. They are a preview of the entire age of the church falling into seven periods up to even now. Now, this is important in today's teaching of the church of uh, Philippi. So let's watch it here. Uh, Philadelphia was located about 28 miles southeast of the city of Sardis. Philadelphia was founded about 150 B.C. Now watch this. By King Attalus of Pergama, you remember Pergama, whose uh, nickname was uh, Philadelphus, which means lover of a brother. Now this church got the name of brotherly love. But you got to understand the Philadelphia was named after the love of one brother for another brother of Pergamon, which one of them became king. The city was destroyed by an earthquake in 17 AD, along with Sardis. A huge earthquake hit in 17 AD, which destroyed a lot of that city. There's not much left of uh, of uh, there of uh, the church of Philadelphia. Now, the church of Philadelphia was known as the faithful church. This church uh, in Philadelphia, it was unique. And now, here's why. Among the seven churches, because it is the only church the Lord has no complaint against. Can somebody say amen? No complaint is not saying that there wa- wasn't some things that needed to be addressed and looked at. There was uh, 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 The area was known for its wine production, and it is famous wines. Uh, Dionysus was the god of wine, uh, which was the principal deity. And, and I get in trouble for this one all the time. And I'm my, in my pro-alcohol uh, drinking, I am not, which everybody pretty much knows. Uh, but one reason is I know that there's a god behind it, and I was in times of old. There again, if a person drinks, does that mean that you're worshiping a god uh, probably not, but if something is big enough to have a God behind it, I have to question it a little bit. <laughs> I know what some of you are saying. It doesn't say anything about beer, but you figure it out. All right. Now, it was situated on the imperial road from Rhone and Troas to Pergamos and Sardis. So it was on that same set of, uh, of trade routes that caused it to be uh, in a situation. Uh, well, here it is. There's Philadelphia. You have Laodicea, which will be the next church down. And you can see the other seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia. And it was also on that main drag or that main uh, trade route, if you will. Now, this is basically the only ruins we have <laughs> of a church in uh, Philadelphia. Uh, Dan, y'all have been there, is that right? And there's just not, of course, you had the great earthquake that destroyed a lot, but this was a basilica there. This uh, Byzantine basilica is called the Church of St. John's. The only thing that's left are these big um, pedestals, I guess, that's not the right word, but uh, uh, that are 
that survived the earthquake. The city of brotherly love, founded by two Pergamum Kingdom's brothers, known today as Ashar, and a biblical city known as the faithful uh, city in the book of Revelation. King uh, Emerus II, king of Pergamos, had a younger brother, Attalus II, who was his successor and always very loyal to his brother. These two brothers were known to be very loyal. Then he named uh, that after him. Now let's look at it here as we start here in Revelation 3 uh, and 7 through 8. And to the angel of the church of Philippi, Philadelphia, right, these things, saying, He who is holy, he who is true, he who is the key of David. Now, if you'll notice in, this, in these seven churches that it will give a description, a different description of who Jesus is. And so you'll notice, so take note here in this description here, into the angel of the church of Philadelphia, right, these things, says, He who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. So you see here that this church of Philadelphia has been sustained by the person of Jesus Christ through opening and shutting doors. Yes, as a Christian, as believers, have you not experienced times that you said, God opened that door? The Lord opened that. The Lord shut that door. Is that a biblical term? Yes, it's more than biblical. It's the Lord Himself because that's who He is in the description here of who He is. And this is the reason we can apply this to ourselves is because He is saying this is the way Christ will look to the seven churches, this one particular church, Philadelphia. So biblically, yes, Christ will open and He'll shut doors. He's true and all of these things. We'll look at this. It says, He who is... Holy, he who is true. Now look at it in Luke one thirty-five. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So here we see the terminology of holy. Um, Trevor's getting ready to teach uh, even today on uh, who's in charge here. He'll be going over in our discussions, I think, things that are holy, glory of God, uh, these type things, these attributes of who Christ is. He'll be teaching us and giving us revelation on who this person, when you say the term which he'll be teaching on, who's in charge here, and if you want his book, it's out in the foyer, it's free, pick you up a copy. It's kind of the book that this church uses as our form of government. We like to think uh, we're striving that Jesus is in charge of this assembly. Is that okay? And we're under the idea we're not wanting man to be in charge. We're wanting Jesus to be in charge, just like he was in the seven churches. So as Trevor teaches us these things, we want us to look. That's why and how is that so biblical? Because that's the way he addressed the seven churches. When Jesus spoke to the angel and he spoke to the seven churches, 
what he is saying, who's in charge here. And then he says, doesn't look I'm in, like I'm in charge here. <laughs> right? So we're trying to get it, who's in charge here, as right as possible. But he called him holy. And just like I say, Trevor will be going into some of that. Then he also says this, he who has what? The key of David. He who opens, no one shuts. That's important now. And shuts and no one opens. And he goes on to say this in Isaiah 22, 21. And I will clothe him with thy robe and strengthen him with thy girdle, and I will commit the government into his hand, and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. So he shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. So we see the comparison here, the parallel verse with Revelation chapter 3 is here in Isaiah. It says that he'll have this key. Now this key is huge and is important. And we see this same key that is being given to the Messiah. We're seeing here that he's showing up again in this church. Jesus is speaking about this key to the church. Now, I am under the persuasion this key is one of the least understood. It is one of the last great frontiers for us to explore and discover. This key, the key of David, the key that Jesus holds, you got to understand, that key is what unlocks and opens and shuts. Are you with me? Now, this is a key that Jesus himself has. You know the verses, the key that it says that when he descended into hell, took the keys of the kingdom, he unlocked that that was captive and, and, and took those that were in captivity in hell, took them to paradise in heaven. I'm so glad I get to... Aren't you glad you don't have to go to hell to go to heaven? Now you got to understand, pre-cross, you had to go to hell before you go to heaven. Yeah, you was in the safe place. Well, lottie, lottie. I'm glad we get to go straight on in into paradise with the Lord. But then he says some things about these keys. And these keys, I have run these keys till, I, till I've run out. But i got to get a second wind. Because there's a revelation in these keys that I know we're not getting. And I will admit to you, I hadn't got yet. I've thrown them around and used them and tried to unlock some doors too, but it hadn't done a whole lot. I'm doing it out of faith. But I'm asking the Lord to give the church in these last days some understanding to go with their faith because there's a lot of supernaturalness hidden in these keys of the keys of David <laughs> that's going to unlock some things. Because we're exercising Scripture, we're exercising things, but yet it's not like we got the key in the door lock just right. Now, that's just my personal feeling. I guess I just made a confession, if y'all will forgive me. I guess I made a confession because I, I believe there's a revelation there. If anybody can come up with some stuff, please send it to me. 
But he says, In the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder, so I shall open, and none shall shut, and he shall shut, and none of those shall open. And we'll look at how it goes here. It goes on to say this in Matthew. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We all know this scripture, but look at it again a little closer. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth, and shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth, shall be loosed in heaven. Now binding and loosing has something to do with the keys. These keys, he says, and also upon thee, then thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Can anybody tell me what the name Peter means? Huh? Rock. Rock, that's right. So it's, the name Peter means rock. Was it upon Peter, upon the rock? Peter, his name was symbolizing rock. Upon this rock I will build my church. And of course, we know that the Catholic Church uses that and says Peter's the, was the first pope and yada, yada, yada. But there's more. To, that's, you test the scriptures here as we go. And I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, the way I figure it, we have more hell in this church than I'm comfortable with. Can I say it like that? We are. We're sicknesses, disease, uh, families, children. We're having a little more hell than I'm comfortable with. And it pushes me to say, well, what is it? The gates of hell is not to prevail against us. And I know we might say it's not prevailing. How can I say it? I feel like we're just putting up with a little too much hell. Can I say it like that? I just like it. We're just putting up with a little too much. And and I don't I, I spiritually don't like it. And it propels me to try to find out what the Lord's meaning here. So now let's 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 move on here. We'll see what we can stumble into. Peter gives a greater understanding of how the keys and the rock work. Are you with me? Remember keys, remember rock. Peter goes on in his writing, gives us a little more understanding here of what's going on. 1 Peter 2, 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, you also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. All right, if you'll notice, Peter starts giving some revelations on the stones. He says, To whom coming as unto a living stone... Disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also are lively stones. So, he's given us some imagery here, symbols here. Jesus gave Peter 
keys of the kingdom, upon this rock or understanding, I'll build my church. But then he goes on and he kind of goes from a literal temporal application to mixing it into a spiritual affecting the temporal world. He calls us lively stones. Well, I don't know about you, that just convicts a heck out of me. If I'm a lively stone, I'd hate to see a dead one. I think you'd call me more of a gravel. Because <laughs> I'm always graveling before God. Instead of being a lively stone. Now, if you do some Greek word studies on that and look into it, you can see that it's on upon this revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus has been given these keys. Jesus gave them to Peter. Peter says, you're now lively stones. Lively stones are stones or people of God that understand that they walk and carry the keys of the kingdom. The reason we're not no more lively than we are, we don't realize we got the keys. You can say, well, Alan, I've thrown the keys at him. I have too. But they're to unlock something, not throw them at him. We've thrown them all over this sanctuary. <laughs> and I'm guilty. And just so you'll know, I'll keep throwing them till I find the keyhole, I guess. But I understand that we're to be lively stones. If this whole congregation, if we were lively stones like this particular verse is give, showing us here, if we were these lively stones that understood when we walked in, we had the keys of the kingdom hooked on our belts, and we walked in here, we'd be so excited and couldn't wait till God sent us a sinner. That's right. We'd be so excited knowing that they couldn't make it out of here alive but only dead to sin that Christ might live. Follow me as we look at these keys. Now, I don't have all these answers, but I got the questions. And I'm trusting that the Holy Ghost through us and through me aggravating you, I hope, that we can find some of these answers or these keys that He's given us. I can honestly say and confess, if I'm a lively stone... Just have mercy on the stones is all I know. Because I am convicted I'm not near lively enough. And the reason I'm not near lively enough is because my faith in these keys of the kingdom that God's given us and given the church and given the stones, I do not have the faith in the keys of the kingdom at the level that this scripture is calling me to. Just the very fact that it's calling me to it, I know it's available. And I went through inventory of my own brain and said, well, God's what's holding me back. And he says, it's your mind. Then I thought, well, I don't have as much to battle as a lot of people. <laughs> so there is a good side to everything. <laughs> good side to everything. But now I want you to see this. You're a lively stone's. Please, I mean, I'm really serious. Please help me here. We got to find we got to find this thing out. We got to find this thing out. Lively stones built up spiritual house, spiritual house. 
we can only have a spiritual house because it has to be built of lively stones. I've been in some houses that was pretty lively. And you'll go in there and you'll either be offended or you'll be so encouraged you can't stand your very skin you're in. You know what I'm talking about? The presence of God is so prevailing that you are so convinced that the keys of the kingdom are in our midst. And the one who died for these keys and can turn them is in our midst. And these keys will open things and shut things. So when we are operating in a situation that Jesus is in charge here, you got to under, understand something. That is that the keys of the kingdom are available and there's no telling what we might see. That's a place that I'm not at right at this second. It's, to me, it's almost a high limb above my head that I can't quite reach. But I will tell you this, it's in sight. I can see it. Can't quite reach it. I'm looking for the angels of the Lord to come along behind me and give me a boost. <laughs> Pick me up. Where I can grab this limb and see it. The keys of the kingdom where it would unlock the homosexual. It would unlock us all from our sin of lying, of stealing, of false accusation. Of All of these are hindrances of the love of God being poured out in our midst. Let's move on. He goes on to say this in Revelation 3.12. He says, I know your works. Now, don't forget now these things. It was holy, true, keys, open, shuts. He says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. Now, is that not interesting? To this church, that verse let me know that God has opened some doors for this church. Now my question is, have we walked through them? Do we recognize the doors enough to know we've walked through them? Well, Alan, I've got this great idea. I've got that great idea. Well, pastor, we need to do that. Listen, we don't need any more great ideas. We need to know the doors that he's opened. And walk through them. He stands at the door and knocks and we open and we walk through. I would rather go through a door that Jesus has opened than one that I've built. Why? Those keys, when they open that door has a supernatural atmosphere. When you walk through that door, you will be bigger than life itself and what you touch and what you bind on earth and on heaven, in heaven will be done. Now, what's this? John 10 says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So here we see 
that Jesus says he's the door. Then we see he says that he opens doors. But through the imagery given to us here, we see that you got to walk through the Jesus door before you walk through any other door. Jesus is the first door. If you got doors, what is it? Price is right. One, two, three. First door is Jesus. You got to go through that door to get to that. Now, this is important. I'm heading somewhere. I'm going to run out of time before I get there. So you'll just need to come through the doors next week's all I know. So here we go. Now, watch this. Colossians 4.3. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. The door will open a door. The door will open a door for somebody that's got some utterance in their belly to give an utterance about the mystery of Christ. Now let's now stay with me on, on the doors. Genesis seven sixteen. And they that went in went in male and female of all flesh. I could park right there, but I won't. Thank you very much. As God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Trevor, I'm setting you up real good now. The Lord shut the door to the ark. We are living in a day that the door to this age of the Gentiles will be shut. Now, I'm going to be getting into that more next week on this church of Philadelphia. But here we see that there will be a day. God opens the doors and God shuts the doors. God has opened some doors in people's lives in here and watching online today. God, Jesus himself, has opened some doors. You're hesitating at the door. Get your hind end on through that door. I pray that your holy angel will kick you into hinder parts. I'm trying to stay King James so it's acceptable. And get you through the door. What's holding you is you haven't walked through the last door that God opened. You can't go to the next door till you get through the last door. Quit hesitating. God has told you some things to let go of, and He's told you some things to grab hold of. And you're hesitating at the door. There's a lot of doors to go. Jesus is carrying the keys of the kingdom which open and shuts these doors. You can't get to door three unless you go through door one and two, which leads you to door three. Can anybody hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, as next week we're going to go into these keys of the kingdom more. I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit's going to give us more revelation to the pastor, the leadership of this church, of the keys of the kingdom, what doors it opens, what doors it shuts, for us to take inventory. Are we truly, we know the Lord's opened these doors. Are we being faithful and walking through those doors? We're looking for the next door and hadn't fully walked through the last door. I'm telling you, 
the doors of the spiritual world have to be walked through as they're given. Can you hear me? The Lord's in this place. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we do love you and we thank you for this day. Lord God, I ask and pray that uh, this church at Philadelphia here, that we'll get this revelation of who Jesus is to the church of Philadelphia. Lord, let us get the revelation of fully walking through your doors. You are the door, and that's our salvation. The first door we walk through is running into you. You're knocking at the door, and we open it. But Lord, our whole life is full of doors to the next door, to the next door, to the next door. Let us get the revelation of the keys of the kingdom that these doors might be opened. Give us revelation that we fully walk through the doors that you've already opened. Yes, Lord. Lord Jesus, I bless this congregation and those that are watching online. I thank you for the opportunity to read your word and to declare your word. But Lord, if there's anything that I've said, it's not of you. I pray it'll fall to the ground. But Lord, I pray if anything I've said of you, I pray that you'll multiply it by a hundred times of the power of the Spirit of God and that you'd pop our hearts wide open with a true revelation that this church might be known as a church that understands the keys of the kingdom, that things will change, and that all of us sinners might be saved from ourselves and our sins, and that we might become more like you, is our prayer. And the house of God said, Amen. 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 Thank you.